0: This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Amen. Well, good morning, Mission Viejo Church of Christ. If you're happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning, say amen. 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 Today is a special Sunday for us because today we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, to our visitors this morning, we want to let you know that you are our honored guest. We're so excited that you've decided to come out and worship with us. We're going to ask you to do us a favor, though, okay? In the back of your pew, you're going to see a visitor's card. We want you to take that out and to fill it out And you can turn that card into me or there's a box in the foyer as you exit this morning. We'd love to have a record of your attendance so that we can invite you back out to this church because I don't think you'll find a finer church in in all of Mission Viejo and you are definitely welcome here whenever the doors are open. So let me say this. If this is your first time visiting with us and or visiting a church of Christ— you're gonna notice that we do some things a little bit differently, amen? I, I saw a couple of y'all, right when you walked in, you said, huh, this is, this is different. Uh, and the biggest thing that you'll probably notice is we don't use uh, instruments during our worship assembly, and that's shocking to some people when they come in. But what we say is uh, we love to, to, to allow God to hear our voices simply while we worship. And we love to hear each other's voices. And sometimes the instruments drown us out just a little bit. So when you come to this church, that's probably the first thing that you notice. And I think it's a really lovely thing, actually, to hear your voices, to hear, allow God to hear our voices just plainly and simply. Now, some people have better voices than others, but we're not talking about that this morning. Amen. We all just sing, okay? And, uh, and, and I think God is, is pleased with that. We also take weekly communion. So this morning, you were able to partake of uh, the Passover, as we used to call it. But nowadays, we call it the communion or Lord's Supper. And I'm so appreciative that you were able to come and to be a part of that experience with us. So if you notice some more things that are different than where you've grown up or what you've seen... Feel free to pull me after the service today in the back, and I'd love to sit down and chat with you about it uh, because uh, I think it's a good conversation to be had. Anyway, let's continue on. So the story goes that there was a preacher with a Band-Aid on his chin when he got up to preach before the congregation, and he said, I'm sorry, church, about this Band-Aid. I cut my chin this morning when I was thinking about my sermon." And then there was a voice from the congregation said, next time, why not think about your chin and cut the sermon? Amen. So this, (laughs) that was a good one, wasn't it? Okay. (laughs) This morning, I'm going to ask that you offer the Lord a few minutes of your undivided attention. And uh, I promise I won't be long this morning, but I want you to just focus on what the Lord has prepared for you this morning because I think he has a a, a feast prepared for you this morning and he wants you to partake and I hope and pray that you just give us a few moments of your time. Question number one is this, what does Easter mean to you? What does Easter mean to you? What do you remember about Easter growing up? You see, as a young boy growing up in the churches of Christ, I grew up in the South, okay? And in the South, what I remember about Easter st- Sunday was, was pastels and big hats. And that was Easter Sunday for me, pastels and big hats. And by the way, I'm seeing a lot of men with pink on this morning. Congratulations! It takes a real man to wear pink, amen. Or salmon, as some of you other folk like to call it, Amen. But what I remember about Easter was pastels and big hat day, and that's what it was for us. And it was almost like a fashion show when you came to church. And I remember the brothers and sisters in Christ going, oh, you sure do look sharp today. I love that top. Ooh, girl, look at that hat, right? I just remember that uh, growing up. And I, I, that's the, the thing that I remember about uh, Easter Sunday. What else do I remember? I remember the preacher talking about... Uh, the resurrection and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, and I also remember the preacher saying that Easter is is not about the Easter bunny, and you've heard those sermons, and it's not about Easter eggs or the spring equinox. I remember those sermons, and I would also remember the preacher saying that Easter Sunday is not more significant than any other Sunday because for the Christian, we celebrate Jesus' resurrection every time we come together. And I don't know about you, but that was my experience when it came to Easter Sunday. And then I remember after church, we would all talk about what we were going to do for food, right? And some families would repair, prepare that ham and that, and that turkey or whatever else you have at home, and it would be a big family gathering. Other people would go out to eat, so forth and so on. And that was, that was Easter Sunday for me. I'm sure many of you remember this, don't you, about Easter? Um, <laughs> this is the other thing that we remember about, <laughs> about Easter, don't you? Now, now, I think my daughters are still traumatized from this experience, right? Just think about it. You go to your local mall, you wait in line, and you drop your baby off into a mess bunny rabbit's lap, and then you leave them. So naturally, your kid probably would look like this. And this is my experience with Easter. This is all the things that we remember. This is all the things that we talk about. But notice, everything that we talk about has something to do with, with us, or it's, a, it's about us. Just think about that. It's about us, usually. And it's absurd to me how we can take the things of god or the things that are supposed to be dedicated and directed toward god and make them all about us and that's what we do sometimes and what i want to do this morning is remind you that easter is not about us it's all about him and it's all about what he did so today we celebrate we celebrate jesus first passage of scripture that I want to look at this morning is found in Isaiah chapter 53 verses uh, 33 and 4. But before we get there, I think we need to answer this question. And the question is, who is Jesus anyway? Who is Jesus, right? And if we've ever read through the Bible or if we've spent time in any Christian churches, we know that Jesus was a very ordinary person. As a matter of fact, the Scripture communicates to us that Jesus was born inside of a barn, inside of a manger. And he was born to two teenage parents. And he had a blue-collar upbringing, right? He was a carpenter by, by occupation, so he had a very simple upbringing. And when I think about him being born in not the best conditions to two teenage parents, it kind of reminds me of some of the stories or people that we hear about living in inner cities without a lot. That was the man Jesus, a very ordinary beginning, very ordinary birth. He wasn't America's top model, like we see in all of the movies lately, don't we? You guys have been watching those Jesus specials on the History Channel, haven't you? or or, or the Bible series, and when you look at Jesus, you're like, man, Jesus, look at that chiseled chin. You know, he sure is good looking. He's a model. But when we read Scripture, that's not the case, is what the Bible says. There's nothing that was so super attractive about him that would cause people to, to give him that much attention. He was an ordinary man. The Scripture says he wasn't that great looking. He wasn't that intelligent. He wasn't that strong. He was an average, ordinary everyday man. Some people say he was an average Joe. But the thing about Jesus is that he was also God in the flesh. And I think that tells me something about the character of the God that we serve. Humble beginnings. Humble beginnings. Isaiah 53 verses 3 and 4 says this, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. You see, church, Jesus was also an outcast. He just didn't quite fit in. He was an outcast based upon the religious standards of the day. The Jewish leaders hated Jesus. Hated Jesus with a passion. And guess what? If you hung out with Jesus, you were considered to be a part of his movement, and people didn't like you either. And you guys remember the story of Peter? when Peter knew that Jesus was going to be crucified, you remember what Peter said to Jesus, Lord, wherever you go, I'm going to be there right with you. And Jesus said, before that chicken clucks, you're going to deny me three times. And then you remember the story is they went around and they said to Peter, Peter, you were with Jesus. You know the man. You remember what Jesus, said, uh, Peter said? I-, I don't know what you're talking about. He even said a curse word. <laughs> I-, I don't know the man. I don't know the man. Because if you hung out with Jesus, you were considered an outsider or an outcast as well. Christianity during that time period was neither popular nor comfortable. Jesus was a suffering servant all the days of his life. A suffering servant. And if you recall, many of his apostles died horrible deaths because of their relationship with christ so that's what we know about jesus now the next question i want to pose to you this morning is what was the purpose of him having to suffer like that why did he do all of that why was he a suffering servant why did he give his life on the cross why why, what was the purpose of all that well let's look at isaiah chapter 53 verses 5 and 6 And the scripture says this. Here's why. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was laid upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own ways, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Why did Jesus suffer the way he did? He suffered because I am a terrible sinner. He suffered like that because you are terrible sinners. He suffered like that because the world is full of sin and iniquity. And guess what, church? No matter how holy I think I am, or no matter how many times I read the Bible, or no matter how many times I come to church, I'm still a sinner. I have this problem with sin. It's here, all of us have to deal with it. And Jesus went to the cross for everybody in the entire world that has a sin problem. So that means everybody. You know what that tells me? Jesus is for everybody. In the entire world, Jesus is for everybody. You think about the vilest of sinners, right, in your mind. You think about that person, that other... Jesus came for everybody. The whole world is laden with sin. And today we celebrate the fact that Jesus died for everyone. Jesus died to give us peace is what the scripture says. And in order to have peace, usually it takes conflict, right? So if you're reading through your Bibles right now and you're doing your chronological Bible reading like we've been talking about through our church, um, right now you've completed the book of Judges, right? Or hopefully so, and you're moving into some more material after that. What we see in the book of Judges is that the children of Israel at this time, after they had taken the land of Canaan, they were in the promised land, Uh, Joshua had already passed away, the children of Israel turned their backs on the Lord. And because they turned their backs on the Lord, they had to deal with captivity, bondage, fighting, slavery, so forth and so on. But whenever they cried to the Lord and said, Lord, I made a mistake, I'm sorry, I've sinned, the Lord would raise up judges. And you guys remember the story of Gideon, right, in the Bible. The people were sinning, God raised up Gideon. Gideon was a tough guy at the end of the story, but was very timid at the beginning. He saved the children of Israel, killed a whole bunch of the enemies with 300 men. And then if you notice, you read those passages in Judges, it says, Then the children of Israel enjoyed a season of peace, or the land was free from conflict. In order to really understand peace, you have to first understand the conflict. Because without the conflict, there is no peace. Um, When I was uh, 16, I used to work at Six Flags Over Georgia in Atlanta, Georgia. And if you've ever been to any of these theme parks, uh, they do a really got, good job because when you walk into the theme parks, you're just blown away by all the things to look at. You've been to Disneyland before, right? And you bring your kids in and you look around, and you're like, wow, this is simply amazing. This is just so beautiful. Princesses and butterflies flying around and, and people smiling, cotton candy everywhere. And it, on the outside, it just, it, it looks amazing. But you know, behind the scenes, It's a completely different story. When I worked at Six Flags over Georgia, I used to work this ride called Monster Plantation. And it was the love tunnel, if you know what that is, right? And my job was to sit there in the back and to watch people on the screen in the love tunnel. I'm still scarred by that experience today, amen. But this, this love tunnel, it looked really nice, right? There were, there were cupids flying out and hearts everywhere, and, and, and the stream of water was, was, was light blue. But in order to make that place look that way, it took people like me to go in there and clean up uh, Monster Plantation. So after work, I would have to literally get uh, some waders on and go into the water and pick up all the stuff that people, thousands of people, were throwing into the blue lagoon, right? See, in order to make it nice on the outside, it took some work behind the scenes. The reason why we enjoy peace today is because of what Jesus did on the cross, But sometimes we don't think about the behind the scenes. When you go to Six Flags or Disneyland, you're not thinking about the workers behind the scenes. You're enjoying what you see before you today. Jesus did some work behind the scenes to give us peace today. And we often forget, church, about the suffering of our forefathers that have given us the opportunity to live and to worship in America without fear or persecution. You see, the reason why we're gathered today and we can do it freely is because we ride the backs of our forefathers and the people before us. And it all started with Jesus on the cross. And that gives us reason to celebrate him and to be thankful. Isaiah chapter 52, verse 14, next passage. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond human likeness. And this is just really talking about the type of punishment that Jesus received and the physical toll it had on his body. Now, many of you have been watching television lately, and they've been having a lot of television shows on like the Shroud of Turin and all that good stuff. And I don't know where you stand on that. If you believe it, wonderful. If you don't, wonderful. But what we know is that, you know, in that shroud, Jesus is image is like perfect. He's got the perfect edged up mustache and the eyebrows <laughs> are, are sharp and, and, and you can see his facial features. But the scripture tells me that Jesus was beaten so bad that you can't even recognize him as being human. That's the type of pain and torture he went through for me, for you, because of our sin, because of our sin every day. So that begs the question then, Why did he do that for us? Why? Well, I think the answer is because of what the cross means. Titus chapter 3, verses 5 through 7 says this. He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So what does all of this mean? Let's flesh this out this morning and just talk about it real quick. First of all, the Bible says it's not anything that we did or do that makes us righteous. Jesus went to the cross to show us mercy. And what is mercy? He saved us through mercy. Mercy is withholding punishment that you deserve. And I don't know about you, but I love that concept of mercy. Withholding punishment that I deserve because of the wrongdoing that I've done. And it also says, through this mercy and the washing of the regeneration. What is regeneration? Well, if you look it up, regeneration means renewal. And the way that we receive renewal today, church, is through repentance and baptism. And that's why I want to say this morning, if you hadn't been baptized before, you ought to be baptized. I would encourage you to be baptized today, this Easter Sunday, because when you are baptized into Christ, guess what? You get a renewal. And all of us like new things, don't we? We get renewal. And then the Bible also says we receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives us strength and power. So I'm going to give you a little preview. We're going to drop it tomorrow. But this year's Vacation Bible School is entitled Super Saints. And what we're teaching the kids is that when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you receive power through the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit does is it helps you rise above the issues of the day. You see, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter what the circumstance is, you can still be filled with joy. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when that person or that coworker or that neighbor is rude to you, you can rise above it and say, bless your heart, because if I didn't have the Holy Spirit, it'd be a problem, right? Mayweather versus Pacquiao, maybe, right? But if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you can rise above those things. And your situations don't dictate your joy or happiness. The Holy Spirit is powerful. And then the Bible says, God offered us grace. And what is grace? Nothing but unmerited favor through which we get to dwell in heaven. It's a powerful concept. Next passage. I'm almost done this morning, church. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. Why did he die for us? Well, to help us to remember this that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. You see, when Christ died, he gives us the ability to throw away or lay aside our old self and put on the new self. One of the things that we talk about during spring is spring cleaning. Have you guys done your spring cleaning yet? Oh, you haven't. You should probably get on that. right? My wife makes sure we do the spring cleaning, right? It's, it's, you know, not a fun process, but usually what you do with spring cleaning is you go into your home and you get rid of all the old stuff, right? And usually when it comes to spring cleaning, the first place that we start with is our closet, isn't it? So we'll go into the closet and see the 50,000 different pairs of clothes that we've had since, you know, 19—I'm not going to date it because I might get myself into trouble. But we go into the closet and we look at the clothes and we say to ourselves, oh, those jeans don't fit anymore. Or I can't believe I used to wear that shirt. That is horrible, right? Have you ever looked at the throwback Thursday pictures you put up? You're like, "What, what was I thinking, right? So you go into the closet and you say, this doesn't fit anymore this shirt I would never wear today. Why? Because I'm in a different place than I once was. As a matter of fact, if you see people living that old way, you look at them like they're weird, right? It'd be weird if I came in with bell bottoms and platform shoes today. You would say something is wrong with Jason, right? Because what we do is we get rid of the old and we replace it with the new. So spiritually, we've got to constantly be doing our spring cleaning. So when we do an inventory of our life, we can say, I used to have a problem with lying, but I threw that away a long time ago when I became a Christian and put on my new self. I used to love money, but when I became a Christian, I threw that away. That's not a part of my lifestyle anymore. Before I became a Christian, I used to be a gossip, and I used to have... A poor way of using my words, but when I put on Christ, I threw all that away. We constantly have got to be doing spring spiritual cleanings and getting rid of that old lifestyle and putting on the new things. And I tell you what, church, when you get to put on those new clothes, doesn't it make you feel like a million bucks? When you put on that new man in Jesus Christ, that new woman in Christ, it makes you feel like a million bucks. You feel great. So I would encourage us all to think through that process. Last verse, and then I'm done this morning. Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. It says this. In conclusion, I want you to just remember this verse as we step down this morning. Why did Christ die for us? And what is our response to that death? Verse number 10. I want to know Christ. This is the desire of every Christian. All of us should have this. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to obtain the resurrection from the dead. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. If you want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection this morning, say amen. I want to know Christ, not on a shallow level, but on an intimate level. I want to know what it's like to understand the power of the resurrection what is the power of the resurrection the power of the resurrection tells us we become new and are led by the holy spirit which communicates to us that we can rise above the world and that's the part that we like right when we become a christian we put on christ and behold all things are new and i wish paul would have stopped right there but you know what else he says you know what else he says in this passage? I want to fellowship in his sufferings. I don't want to hear that. But Paul said, I want to fellowship in his sufferings. I want to know what it's like to suffer in a way that Christ suffered. And you might be saying to yourself, What do you mean, Paul? You want to get crucified? Not me. But what Paul was communicating here is that when you become a Christ, a Christian, and you're a follower of Christ, it's not all peaches and roses all the time. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you are called to suffer with Christ, and that means putting up with persecution. It means putting up with hardships. It means putting up with all kind of stuff. But we do that, and we suffer with Christ. Because we know, in the end, we can obtain the resurrection from the dead. So I don't know about you, church, I want to suffer with Christ. I want to suffer with Him. I want to live the life that He has called me to live here in the flesh. And the reason I want to do that, the reason I want to live that life, is because of this empty tomb here. It tells me when we follow Christ and we are led by the Holy Spirit, one day when we pass on, we get to rise and be with Him forever. It's a powerful concept. So that's what the resurrection means this morning. We celebrate the fact that Jesus came and died for our sins and gives us the opportunity to be with him in the future, and that's cause to celebrate every single day. So this morning, by way of invitation, I want to say this. If you're not a Christian, if you have not been renewed by the washing of water and the Holy Spirit, this invitation is for you. We've got a baptistry right here. We will baptize you today in water. You can be indwelt with the Holy Spirit, and you can be renewed in living for Jesus Christ. It's a powerful concept. If you're not a Christian, we invite you to do that today. If you are a Christian, remember what Christ did for us and join us together while we suffer for the cause of Christ here in the flesh so that one day we'll get to attain eternal salvation in heaven with Him. Whatever your needs or concerns are, we've got a song of invitation selected this morning. During that song of invitation, you can come we're inviting you to come. This is not just uh, something we do at a routine. We really want you to come. We'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. Whatever your needs or concerns are, I want you to come now together while we stand and sing.